everyone, and welcome to our very first Sumner County Coaches podcast and Facebook livecast from Demos here in Hendersonville on Indian Lake Boulevard. I'm Greg Arias. This is Zach Williams with WHIN Radio, and we are again live here at Demos, Zach, for mm-hmm. uh, the first time tonight. So, um, new things going on with WHIN, certainly our first podcast attempt, first time we've done a live show of this nature oh, yeah. uh, on Facebook Live. But uh, It's certainly, live, yeah, a lot, but it's a, a podcast, right? So you're going to be able to catch this, whether you're catching it now here at Demos here in Hendersonville, or if you're catching it uh, you know, on Facebook or wherever you're catching it, you're also going to be able to pick it up live on, you know, it's going to be available on our WHIN radio page. It's also going to be re- available on Apple, Apple iTunes, uh, the podcast there. And then also it'll be on SoundCloud. So you'll be able to hear it a bunch of different ways. And uh, it's going to be something that we're doing. We're actually doing it live Thursday here, as you know, because today's Thursday. But we'll actually be moving it to next week. We're going to be moving it to Wednesdays. So Wednesdays at 6 o'clock is when we will record it live here on Facebook and in a podcast format. And it'll go up Wednesday nights. Tonight it'll go up Thursday night. And as it is Thursday night, tomorrow being week two in the high school football season. Hard to believe we're already into week two of the season, but thus we are. And before we go further, let's tell you a little bit about what we've done. We've invited coaches from around Sumner County to be with us. Now, because tonight is Thursday night and there are freshman games taking place, several of the coaches were unable to attend. That's part of the reason for the shift from Thursday night this week till Wednesday night next week. But we've got three coaches here, all from the Gallatin Green Wave staff, head coach Chad Watson, assistant coach and offensive coordinator Nathan Wilson, and the lovable and wonderful Josh Atkins. And you'll see what I mean by that when you meet this guy and get him on camera tonight uh, for the first time to, to talk to some people around Sumner County that have not heard from Josh. But uh, next week we'll have a variety of other coaches, and we mm-hmm. want to invite anybody that's uh, out there watching and or listening If you're out and about, come by. We've got a nice room full of people here enjoying the great food. I've already had my meal tonight. Uh, Other people, Zach, you haven't. The coaches are over here eating now as well, and we're going to give them a minute to work on some of their food before we bring them in. And another thing about this podcast and Facebook Live format We don't have commercial breaks like we do during a radio show where we have advertisers. We've got one advertiser here tonight on this podcast. Here in Hendersonville. You see the sign behind me. And, of course, you see the banner for WHIN there in the front. So those are all you're going to hear about uh, tonight on the broadcast. And, Zach, you mentioned a moment ago week two. Week one, I think, off to a – Solid start for the most part for the county. Obviously, uh, there were some wins and some losses uh, throughout the county. We had one game where two county teams played each other in station camp and in White House, Mm -hmm. and White House won that football game. So, obviously, when you have two from the same county, somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. Right. Hendersonville, no uh, disgrace at all in what happened to those guys taking on the defending state champion Murfreesboro-Oakland Patriots a week ago. Oakland put a good one on them. Uh, in the win for them. But when you go back across the rest of the county, mm-hmm. it was pretty positive. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, let's start off with Hendersonville. Let's just go ahead and talk about what happened last week. It was a 59-0 to loss. That one I talked with Beasley, unfortunately, wasn't able to come here today. Uh, but he will be coming into the show, like we said, where we're going to constantly have, uh, you know, new, different our different, uh, you know, coaches coming in and everything like that. But, you know, this was a game, one, something that isn't a thing you want to talk about. It's not fun. This was one of the, I think, believe it or not, in the history since 1941, it was the worst loss that has ever happened to Hendersonville High School football. 
especially at home, and for it to be week one. It was a terrible way to start. Now, as I was in the broadcast here on WHIM, one thing I, I wanted to make sure everybody understood, this was a 6A state championship team that didn't really lose a lot. They still had their core group of guys, and they're still a very much a powerhouse. So one good thing is you don't have to play them again until maybe it gets into the playoffs, and you start off with really um, your biggest threat. At the beginning of the yeah, season. Yeah, it doesn't get much bigger. Exactly. And so, you know, with that being said, there's hopeful at the end, other end of the tunnel for Hendersonville coming out of this week. Now, they're going off to play uh, Giles County on a road game, a two-hour trip in Pulaski. Uh, have fun with that trip, Exactly, yeah. We'll have, we'll have a great time. We'll have that all right here on WHINradio.com. But uh, it's going to be a another challenge. And if you actually look, if we go by uh, uh, one of your favorite sites, Coach T., Right, CoachT.com. I peruse it occasionally. I wouldn't say favorite spot. but If you go through schedule rank, Hendersonville has the first hardest schedule rank that they're playing. They're constantly playing number ones and number two teams that are in their regions and district. So a loss like that early in the first game, yes, it hurts. You don't want it to be, in the, especially your first home game. But it's definitely a, uh, let's say, a character builder. And if they say, you know, you don't learn anything from winning, well, Hendersonville learned a lot last week, and they're going to be able to move that forward into this week. And – there's nine more games to go in the oh, regular yeah. season. Absolutely. So, obviously, nine weeks from now, we'll be sitting here talking about the results of that week's particular ball game in the course of the season. Exactly. And we may make mention of week one mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. part of the record, but it's not the key part. Just as teams that other teams that lost or teams that won throughout, now it becomes what have you done for me lately, basically. Exactly. And what do you do tomorrow night when you take the field? You guys down in Giles County, Gallatin at home versus Station Camp and the rest to the county team. That's kind of a big uh, game, isn't it? Yeah, well, a little bit of one. There, there's some, some interest in that, I would think, and we'll get to that more with the Galton coaches coming up. But then when you look across the other schools, obviously, uh, they've got big games coming up this week that they want to either continue to win if they won a week ago, mm-hmm. or obviously if they didn't win a week ago, get that first win of the season, get things turned back around onto a positive note, and, and be going forward. Real quick, I wanted to throw in here, for anybody that's actually here at Demos, or if you're watching on Facebook, we have one, you can leave comments on Facebook and we'll answer your questions that way. Two, uh, we actually have a crowd mic here. If anybody wants to step up to the mic and take a question, we'll do that as well. That'll be all part of the podcast, so that way you can join in on the discussion, which is the whole point of today. But, uh, but I just wanted to put that in quickly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We want to tell everybody. And basically what we're doing, Zach and I are talking for a few moments to allow the coaches that are over here to my left to to have a minute to grab their meals and get a little bit of food before we interrupt them and get them talking. And uh, we'll do that here in just a couple of minutes because I see that they're they're working feverishly over here now to dispose of their their meals as as I did a little bit earlier. And, Zach, I can't believe you didn't eat tonight. Are you waiting until after the podcast? You know, I knew we were going camera, so I'm trying to keep it, you know, I'm trying to keep it slim. I'm trying to keep it tight. Uh, That's that's been the goal for this entire – that's a lie. I had Dunkin' Donuts right before this. That's why you're not hungry. (laughs) Randy's sitting in the back laughing at you. Exactly. Because you said that about keep it slim. Because you and I, neither one would be described as slim. At we are gently husk. But, you know, that's okay. We, we look like football players. There you go. Yeah, that's what we'll tell ourselves. Now, for you tomorrow night, let's, let's jump back on to Hendersonville just a moment. Because obviously you and I, you do Hendersonville, I do Gallatin. Mm-hmm. We are more familiar with those contest and obviously uh, not having coaches here from the other schools tonight to talk about some of the other games we'll pay particular attention more so to those Mm -hmm. but Giles County it is a small school but it is a very proud and tradition rich program 
usually have very good football teams. What can you tell us about Hendersonville's opponent tomorrow night? Well, one thing that really shocked me, we talked about this too before the season ever. It was you know just me and you talking on the phone, I think, one time. But it was uh, we talked about like press boxes. What we were going to see at different schools. You remember that? We, yes. You said, I've never been to the press box at Giles County. I have no idea what it looks like. Uh, Hendersonville's never been there. This is the first matchup Hendersonville and Giles County have ever been together. So this is the first historic matchup for them that they'll ever meet. But Giles County's press box might be top-tier press box I've ever seen in the state. Really? I'm very Now, I haven't seen it per, in, in, in person yet, but I saw pictures. It is a very nice, very nice press box. So that was one thing. I just want to shout out. I was talking to their athletic director, Scott Hahn, uh, Han, uh, and uh, he was – he was. they're very proud of that press box. Well, <laughs> I hey, can only imagine they put a good little penny in there. You don't always go to some of the small schools and have bad facilities or go to the big schools and have great facilities. Mm-hmm. You have a mix, mixed – bag when it comes to high school football around the state of Tennessee, and that's not meant to disrespect anybody. Obviously, uh, various counties have differing budgets that they can spend on athletics and facilities and things like that. Mm -hmm. While we have it on the good side here in Sumner County and really most of Middle Tennessee where we go for the most part, there are some places that don't have as nice of facilities. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's, it's just it's just the facts of the way life right. is in the state of Tennessee and in, in high school football and in the various counties. And that's the one thing that I look at too for Giles County. You can tell they're proud of their football program. So I mean, this is coming from a three A school that where they are in the Region Five, uh, and they coming off a win against another number one school in Lincoln County. So they came off a thirty eight to fourteen win. Now how Giles County getting with Beasley and, and my color guy actually, Joe Townsend, who'll be joining me Friday night for the first time. It'll be his first on mic appearance on WHIN. Uh, but uh, we talked about it and you know we we see their game plan, what their game plan is. They're they they run a, they're very similar to Hendersonville and in and, and that they like to run the wing T. They like to come off in a three four de- or a four three defense. So it, it'll be a lot of similarities that Hendersonville one has already faced with Oakland. Because that was what they saw all last week, and then two, it'll be something that they see themselves all the time. So it, you know, they have the, one thing. Hendersonville walking into that game, they have more bodies on the field, just being the school size that they Sheer are. Size and depth, exactly. Now they have. I looking at uh, Link, uh, sorry, Giles County's linemen. They have a couple boys over three hundred pounds, so they have some size on their trenches. They just don't have the bodies deep. So early game will be a test for Hendersonville for sure that we're going to see Drew Hohenbrink and Isaiah Chandler and those guys that when they run that wing tee for Hendersonville that are going to be a lot of the moving and shakers for the Hendersonville's offense on the ground. Um, it's going to be early, but it seems like to me what, and especially talking to Beasley, they know too, this is a, this is a situation. One, you're bouncing back from Oakland. You're taking that loss. You're get, you got punched in the eye. You got to wake up from it. Second part of that is, is you got to, you got to, Prove yourself. You got to prove yourself that one. You can you can run with these teams, and and that's what they're going to do is they're going to have to beat these teams down and beat down Giles County more specifically, and then wear them out and take them to their point of you know how much gas do they have in the tank when it comes to that third quarter, that fourth quarter, because that's what that wing tee is designed to do. Well, and it comes down to if you just lined up Hendersonville's eleven versus. Giles County's 11, and let's say you took Hendersonville's top 30 players mm-hmm. and took them down to face Giles County, it'd be an even matchup yeah. because Giles County, obviously, as I said, tradition rich. They've defeated a, a 6A team in Lincoln County – or a 5A team, excuse me, in Lincoln County last week, so they can play up in classification. Mm-hmm. It's where you get to those third and fourth bodies yeah. sometimes and injuries, obviously. 
you can withstand an injury perhaps at Hendersonville more so than you can at Giles County to a key player, say a quarterback or your star running back or things of that nature. That's when the smaller schools versus the bigger schools kind of get in trouble. If they can avoid injuries, I don't think conditioning will be a problem. I think they'll be in great shape and be able to play the four quarters. That's not the issue. It's the overall depth of Hendersonville as far as sheer numbers to be able to rotate guys in and keep them fresher than what Giles County will probably be in the fourth quarter that should be the ultimate difference. Exactly, exactly. And and one thing that Beasley's been, at least what I saw on his kind of game now, plan. Now, when you talk, say Beasley, that's James Beasley. James Beasley, head coach, coach, head coach James Beasley right. for the Commandos. Uh, uh, one thing I noticed with him, the he, way he was talking to his players is this week, can you be coachable? That's what he's looking for. He's looking at, can you, because I think he understands, get through the tidal wave at the beginning, wear the guys out, and then come back in and coach up and stay focused that we're going to use different bodies, everybody's going to be shifting out, and we're just going to keep hitting them constantly with fresh legs. So I think that's going to be one of the main keys for tonight's game, uh, for, for or not tonight's game, but tomorrow night's game for the Commandos. Especially, too, it's a, you know, a long, it, you know, their, their bus is departing at 245. Or sorry, one forty-five. So they're you know it's this is going to be a long day before they even get to the stadium. Um, so from what I've heard though, Giles County they are they are doing everything in their power to make it as a comfortable stay for Hendersonville as possible because it is a smaller town. Um, but they have them all set up, food and drinks and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Uh, but you know it's still that's that's one of the hurdles already is survive the bus trip. <laughs> but it's also part of a learning process for mm-hmm. football players too because later on in the season you get to the playoffs you're bus trip might not just be two hours it could be three you could be going up to east tennessee somewhere you could be going down to memphis Mm -hmm. uh, chattanooga over the course of my career in in doing radio i've done games in knoxville chattanooga memphis clarksville uh you know all over the place yeah we've been a lot of different places i don't know if i said chattanooga but i've been there before for playoffs as well Mm -hmm. so you get the opportunity in week two of the regular season to put the kids on. These are not school buses. They'll charter this. Mm-hmm. Uh, put them on the charter buses, load everything up, go through all the steps that you would for a road game, and then get on those buses and travel, get there, and then go through your setup and your pregame and all that. So it'll be good experience, hopefully, for the playoffs. They'll have an idea of what it's going to be like when they get to one of those situations if they wind up having to take a long trip to Memphis or Knoxville or something of that nature. And once again, this is why I talk about early on in the season for the command. It's a test. You know, you look at you look at their remaining already who they're going to be taking on. One, they start off with Oakland at home, but still it's Oakland. And then they're going Giles County. And then after that, on a two-hour road trip, and then coming back home, it's going to be the rivalry game against Station Camp. And those are always up in the air. So, I mean, right there. And then after that, you have Beach, which is another out of – out-of-region game, but that's another tough opponent that you're going to well, have. Well, they're ranked number one or number two, depending exactly. in the state of Tennessee in classification, depending on who you look at. Now, I don't put a lot of stock into rankings because they're done by people that don't necessarily pay a huge amount of, t- of attention to the total situation of the program, but it's a it's a good gauge. Yeah. Now, I see the coaches still over here eating. Are any of you guys ready to go on? Raise your hand if you're ready. Don't everybody jump at once. Yeah, we, we've got one. <laughs> one candidate out of three who's who, – hey, he's finished his. We'll get Let's him on get over here. Head coach Chad Watson from Gallatin this High is, School. This is the beauty thing about doing a podcast here. You can just you can just easily have it set up, and you don't have to worry about, you know – 
commercials or anything. You just come right in, and we're all sitting in here. I mean, basically, the only thing difference between us and everybody else here eating, we just have mics on. That's and we're talking a lot more than everybody else. Oh, well, true. You know, you always do that, but that's cool. Head Coach Chad Watson, thanks for taking the time to be with us here tonight. Let's start off with congratulations, obviously. A week ago, you opened the season at home versus Lebanon, a 6A opponent versus a 5A opponent. It's a team that had an 8-3 and mark a season ago where a playoff team lost in the first round. And you come out, you play close in the first half, 7 to nothing was the score at the break. Ultimately, at the end of the night, though, 28-7 is your final score. You walk out of there with a big win, your first as the head coach at Gallatin High School. Yeah, it was a special night. I, I think that night really helped our kids kind of buy into what we've been preaching to them for the last few months at um, – our conditioning and the hard things we were putting them through this summer was going to pay off in the end. And we told our guys uh, all summer that conditioning is not a punishment. It's a requirement in order to be successful. And I think it, it really showed showed true on Friday night. Now, you talk about the conditioning, and I've seen bits and pieces at some practices uh, was down. And I mentioned this last Friday night on the air for those people listening uh, about the Titans seven on seven and I didn't mention any names of players and we won't do that to to call anybody specifically out but you had a couple of two young men you know who I'm talking about uh, that got under your skin a little bit and the punishment was swift and appropriate I thought for what they did but what you did you had them do up downs and then you had them sprint the end zone 53 yards across the field four times and then when they came back you said get your helmets on and go in the game because you guys were up starting the next game so there was no rest there I think you probably got two young men's attention a little bit that particular day with that yeah I think so and that that day is like two of those kids and I'm not going to mention their names either but are obvious leaders for us and they've completely bought into the system and what we're doing it's just um that point in time uh I don't think that losing bothered us as much as it should that day, and I just wanted to get that point across. It doesn't matter if we're scrimmaging, playing each other, any type of competition, you need to be upset if you come up on the wrong end of the scoreboard. So, yeah, that's the main thing. We're just trying to instill a competitive nature with our kids, and that, that, that was pretty much all that was. Well, and you also, uh, take it a step further, got some attention of some of the other mm-hmm. kids on the team because if that can happen to two leaders, two of your better players uh, on the roster. If I'm the third-string guy somewhere, I know it certainly can happen to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that, that's good with our kids and those seniors. I want to commend them for taking coaching and taking holding themselves to the same standard we're holding everybody else to. So we got a good group of kids. Now, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest with you. You and I haven't had a lot of opportunity to talk since last Friday night. But by the offensive line, and in fact have been for the last two weeks – particularly how they did against Oakland in the Jamboree slash scrimmage at Green Wave Stadium two weeks ago, but then how they handled Lebanon, who had a really good defensive front. They did a lot of good things in both those games against two very talented defensive front units, and it was more than I expected, to be honest with you. Yeah, those guys work really, really hard. Um, We spend a lot of time in the film room and offensive line. A lot of it's just technique and knowing your assignment and being able to communicate and being on the same page. Coach Silcox does a great job with those guys, and – me and him work with them together, and we watch film with them and coach them up. And uh, I think that Oakland Jamboree, I know it's a Jamboree and it doesn't mean a whole lot to anything, but I think it instilled a lot of confidence in our kids that if we can line up and move the ball on them, and we can do it against anybody. Well, you're, you're talking about reputation more so. The Gallatin players hadn't seen Oakland until they walked out on the field, but I'm sure you guys certainly told them, hey, these guys were the 6A state champions a year ago. It's a good football team. They saw it up front. 
the Oakland offensive line is just a little short of the Titans as far as size. They were yeah. some big kids. <laughs> big group of kids. They were massive up front. And, and it's what they do at Oakland is really impressive. They got some really talented kids, but they're, they're coached up and they know how to play football. And Coach Creasy does a heck of a job. Now, moving forward, big win last week. What was Monday like coming back to practice? And did you have to kind of bring the kids back down to earth a little bit, or were they set and ready to go with what you guys had prepared for the week coming into this obviously big matchup with Station Camp coming up tomorrow night? Um, I think what we do on Mondays, we come in and we'll, we'll divide them up offense, defense, and special teams. We'll go back and watch film and the clips of things that we want to try to fix. And um, uh, new thing we've kind of done is like rewarding them for certain goals they hit. We're adding the anchor decals on the back of the helmets to kind of help promote those guys. There. <laughs> Whoops, hello. That's great. Oh, it's Down goes the sign. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll fix that here. We'll but, fix that here in a minute. But like I said, we, <laughs> we'll we go through post. the game and we go back and watch film and we reward the guys for hitting the goals that we hit and all that. Then once that point's over and we've corrected our mistakes, then we're moving on to next week. And we tell our guys you're only good as your last performance. So what happened with Lebanon is done and over with, and we're completely focused on station camp from that point on. You just mentioned it, station camp tomorrow night. It's your first time in this rivalry. You've been in rivalry games before, obviously, throughout the course of your career as a player in high school and in college and then as a head coach. What can you tell us about station camp, and what have you kind of picked up on your own just from – reaction of folks around town about what this means to the two schools well when i got here like i met with all the seniors and asked them what are some things that you want to kind of correct and like because i don't think all we always give kids enough credit for fully understanding when they need something and they mentioned discipline and they also mentioned that they wanted to make sure we get the mayor's cup back so i know this game is extremely important for this community and it's important to our kids and our fan base and uh, anytime you're dealing with a rivalry game, you know you're going to get your opponent's best performance and you've got to be ready for anything. So they've got some explosive players offensively. Uh, quarterback throws the ball really well. 23, the running back, can get in a seam and go at any moment in time and good length on the perimeter with the receivers. And uh, really impressed with their nose guard defensively. Does a lot of good things and they fly to the football. It's just uh, we got to show up and we got to worry about Gallatin and we got to execute and do the things that – we want to do and hold ourselves to our standard. What's something that you would say to the fans? Uh, the only thing I say to the fans is our guys have worked really hard this week. I think we've had a good week of practice, and um, I'm excited about the product we're going to put on the field, and hopefully we represent the town and the community well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because, I mean, especially in this rivalry and everything like that, and, of course, you like, like Greg said, you know all about it, but it's, you know, this is the crowd size, too, that we saw at, Cal- uh, at Calvin was – incredible right it was a pretty good crowd that ended up coming out there friday night in week one and you can only imagine this is only going to get doubled now <laughs> yeah i mean that, that's definitely the biggest crowd i've ever coached in front of and it was a special uh, special environment <laughs> and it was an impressive environment and uh just looking forward i mean i told her kids it's like look around you're not gonna you don't realize how lucky you are and the more we're successful the more that's going to grow and grow and i think our kids strive for that well because that almost ends up being too something that the the kids need to know yeah is that you're this is going to be a big crowd this is going to be louder than it's possibly going to be that you're going to see in a good time so i mean you know how do you how do you deal with that with the kids and their attraction to you know Um, to not get lost in the lights we just want to focus on each and every play and make sure we're like focused in on our assignments and our responsibilities each play because whether it's offense, defense, special teams, our coaches do a good job of letting our guys know we got to communicate and work through the situation. So everybody, like, we don't want guys going to the line of scrimmage not talking and not communicating. So we we always want to adjust and kind of block everything else out. Right. 
Yeah, that's I mean that you know too. And the other side of this is kind of like with fans, not only the kids looking at all the fans, but you know the fans too. Just this game, what the means to them, and everything like that. This is it's just going to be a crazy night. I'll be in Giles County. <laughs> I'll be two you. hours away. Yeah. But you know, I know, I know, as Greg is going to put it on, it's going it, to what he's told me too. Everything it's, it should be an exciting game already across the board. Yeah, I think it's going to be a physical football game. There's going to be a lot of young guys flying around and playing late, leaving everything out on the field for both sides. So it should be entertaining. What do you try to do? for kids especially in these exciting games like that sometimes i know in boxing they call it an energy dump where they come out and they're in you know warming up and everything they're 150 percent in the first quarter all of it comes out you know it just comes yeah. out so quick how do you how do you try to stifle that too as I th- well i think it goes back to your training your conditioning um mentally getting your guys ready for the game throughout the week we start talking to our guys about tuesdays that you need to mentally start spending some time alone tonight and kind of getting yourself ready to give your best performance also, on Fridays before the game, we make sure that we kind of put our guys in a setting where they can't really spend too much energy. We divide them up into two groups, and we show two different movies, and they are required to either go to sleep or lay there and watch the movie. Mm. So we try to we try to hold in that energy, and uh, we we keep quiet time all the way up into pregame warm-ups. Pre-game warm-ups, they can flip the switch and go, and that's kind of how we do things and how I've done things, and it, it seems to work from yeah. what I've seen. Now, you haven't had to suspend anybody like a certain SEC coach because guys missed a movie, right? You heard that story. I haven't heard that story. <laughs> no. Greg's got a ton starters. of these stories. Yeah. Just, you know. He's got four starters, <laughs> include, well, three starters and his top two running backs. All suspended for the first half Saturday because they missed a movie, a team bonding event. So when you brought that up, I didn't know if you'd heard. No, that, I hadn't heard that. So I try to I try to put something on there that I I think's pretty good to keep them entertained. And so we'll see. We might be watching Gladiator tomorrow. I don't Ooh, know. There's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a real good one. That one will fire you up a little bit. Yeah. Too. Right. Right. <laughs> Is the biggest thing that you're coaching against, and not just tomorrow night, but throughout the course of the season. Certainly you have to pay attention to your opponent, but are you kind of coaching against yourself in that with your kids to make sure that they're where they need to be? Because obviously you can't win football games if you turn the football over, which we didn't see happen last week. Uh, Not a lot of penalties, certainly not big penalties at costly times that really set you back. You have to kind of keep that going. Is that the biggest thing that you're really working? Yeah, against? I mean, we tell our kids every day in and day out, like the only thing that can stop, only thing that can really beat Gallatin is Gallatin, and we want to compete against ourselves day in and day out. And uh, we're not doing a very good job as a coaching staff if we peak at week one. We want to be playing our best football week ten, week eleven, and getting ready into the playoffs. So um, we talk to our guys about the long haul and the conditioning and the weight room. Make sure you're still lifting weights. Don't skip out on that stuff because we want to be playing better football in week ten and eleven than we are right now so is there one thing outside of the obvious take care of the football don't turn it over dumb penalties things like that that will be key tomorrow night for you uh, in trying to get a win in this ball game um i mean I, I think the obvious is what it is i mean it's it's blocking and tackling and eliminating turnovers and when you have a chance when you have an opportunity to make a play you got to take advantage of it. and i thought that was one thing we did cough it up last week, we did have a fumble, so we want to eliminate that. And we also had an opportunity to get an interception that was kind of thrown to us, and we didn't take advantage of it. So just maximize the moment, make a play when the chance comes, and be the most excited team to play when you get there. That's, that's all we ask for. One thing that I think we may have overlooked or not commented on enough personally as broadcasters last week during the game was the tackling. Yeah, You go back, and I, don't, I know you guys go through stats and all of that, but missed tackles had to be – very, very few, I would think. Yeah, I think that. we did a really good job in space. Uh, one kid that really stands out is Solomon Yarborough. Um, 
really good job hemming up the number six from Lebanon. He's an elusive back, but there was multiple times, I'd say five or six times, it was him and Solomon in open space, and Solomon made a play. And it wasn't just him. It was the whole defensive group. Um, Coach Broderick does a really, really good job of not just repping tackling, but he gets into the fine details about your aiming point, where your eyes should be, and how you should engage contact. So it's just paying attention to details, and I think it paid off. Got one more question for you. Right. How much grief has Coach Atkins taken this week? I know Broderick, Friday night, we're sitting around the coach's office yeah. after the game when everybody got back over to the school. Over the the fake uh, – or the not fake punt, excuse me, the uh, onside kick that Lebanon ultimately wound up, which I think, by the way, was a good call. I'm going to defend him here because yeah. on film they were bailing. It was there. One kid from Lebanon saw it and stepped back up and made the play. But how much grief has he got because over that? Because Broderick was saying, you know, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have given up any points in this ball game. Yeah, I mean, uh, we watched it on film, and Josh does a good job, and he studies film like crazy, and he saw it, and we made the decision as a staff if we get up fourteen to nothing, where we want to try to even swing that momentum our way more. And it was close. It was close. I thought we had a really good shot at getting it. But as far as Coach Broderick being upset, we've had we've got an agreement between our defensive coordinators. Like we got co DCs between Coach Broderick and Coach Clemens. When we stop them, Coach Broderick's their DC. But when we give up points, <laughs> it's Coach Clemens. So that right there goes on. I'm completely blaming Stephen Clemens for this. Oh, there he's got, and he's not he's not here. He's been thrown under the bus on Facebook for the entire world. That's the best time tonight. to throw somebody under the yeah, bus. Is when they're not there. And that goes know? back from I'm from Gornsville. He's from Carthage. So I got to take jabs at him when I can. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't. I knew the Gordons were yeah. part of you. And by the way, one more thing before I let you go, Ryan Gent. And yeah. I know you know where I'm going with uh, this. Yeah. He posted on Twitter today about knowing you since you came to Macon County. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it was kind of gawky and awkward. Was that was that how I, I think I, I think chubby was the exact word that he said. <laughs> so yeah. I um when I went up to Macon County, I think I was sixteen going into my senior year. I, but yeah, he's right. I was I was a little uh, overweight and uh, round when I was a senior, but but you uh, were athletic. Yeah, I was athletic, so I, I'll take the compliment with the with the bat, I guess. But well, you went on to play college football, so yeah. you couldn't. You know, you had to have a little bit of athletic. Yeah, it was, there. I, it was a great experience in Macon County. Um, playing for Pat Dyer, I learned a lot from him, and he gave me an opportunity, which led me to playing at Austin P. So very grateful for my time up there and that experience playing for him so well how has the transition gone you know being here in Gallatin and you know all the changes and everything and now we're in football season you know that's what Greg and I were saying before it's crazy that it's already here yeah and I imagine even for you it's kind of been a snowball kind of effect how's that been living in Gallatin outside of football it's been good um the one thing that's different from here to Clarksville is just the amount of passion and like care that people have far as the product on the field um Great time at Northeast working with those kids, but a lot of those kids with it being the population was about 85% military, so not many parents had ties to the school. Mm. So everybody's just kind of fans of their own kids. But here you have deep roots in the Gallatin football and the tradition and the support. You have fans that are just fans of Gallatin football and not parents only, so to right. say. So that's been a, a different experience, but I've, I've enjoyed it. I've loved it, and uh, I've never been happier coaching than when I've been here. So When's the next music video? Seems like uh, there's always a music video going <laughs> yeah, on really. up there now. I don't know. I mean, unless Coach Atkins can sing, I don't know when else we would do it. I, I don't know if we want to test fate with that one. But, uh, before, last thing, and then we're going we're gonna to uh, switch you out here. Uh, I have it on good authority. I haven't looked at the viewers to know, but we've got several viewers on Facebook. I'm pretty sure one of them, because I got a text from her a minute ago, Marie Short and Coach Calvin Short, 
Hi, guys. <laughs> Anything you want to say to him here? I'm just thankful that he's allowed me to come over there and talk to him. And um, even to this day, as long as it's been since he's coached, there's a lot of people that think a lot of him and what he's done for this program. So I'm thankful to work in a program that has had someone like him to lay the foundation of the tradition of this program. And uh, it's, it's when you walk up to your stadium and you see the record that he had, it's it's unbelievable. And People, when I tell our kids, they ought to be extremely proud of the tradition that they get to play for and the name on the back of their jersey. So all I can say to him is thanks for having an open ear and listening to me anytime I've wanted to talk to him. And, again, I said one last thing, but I've got to go back on this because I told you this last Friday night after the game. There's only two coaches in the history of Gallatin High School football that have never lost a season opener. Coach Calvin Short at Gallatin never lost the first game of a season. You're in that category right now. You've got another year I've before got a few it comes more up years again. You know, no pressure or anything. Let me <laughs> no just throw the stat right here. Just to throw that out there and let you know. <laughs> We're going to worry about station camp until, I guess, about 10 o'clock when that's over. Right there you that's go. It. Chad, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Absolutely. Buddy. Okay, which one of you guys wants to go next? Coach Nathan Well, you know, Wilson's actually, Greg, we had, a, we had a quick question, oh, okay, too. Oh, I'm be sorry. careful on that. That alarm will go yeah, that, off. I set the alarm yeah, off Yeah, Greg did that earlier. Good way to start it off here. Come on, Nathan. Come on over here while he's going through Yeah, yeah, we have a question on Facebook from Brian Smith, and he was Wanting to talk, he was wanting us to talk a little bit about White House and Glencliff. White House, White House, and White House, and I don't say that to be flippant. Glencliff, uh, Brian was that the gentleman's name? Yeah, Brian Smith. Brian, the Glencliff is a program that, at last report, two weeks ago had thirteen players on their roster. Yeah, it is a tough place to coach. Inner city Nashville school. Uh, I spoke to the former coach who has since moved on. They've got a new head coach, and please don't ask me his name right now. But the last head coach two years ago when I spoke with him before we played Glencliff told me that he had seven interpreters in his class because wow. he had seven different languages being spoken by the variety of kids that are in the Nashville area. Yeah. So – when you think about that, there's 13 kids. That's all they've got. They only you, you have 11 play. Yeah. They've got more coaches on the sideline during play than they've got extra players. So uh, I think an easy night for White House. The Blue Devils will be 2-0 and at the end of the night. I would be shocked uh, if beyond all belief way. if it goes the other way. Well, and that's not a disrespectful comment. It's just situational. It's just Look at who they played last time, too. Their last game last week, they played the uh, the Fighting Dilfers over there at uh, Lipscomb Academy, right? So, and they yeah. lost 66-8. to eight. Well, and it was it was 66 to nothing at one point. The right. Eight, I think probably was one of those mercy uh, touchdowns at the end. So look for the Blue Devils to, to roll. I don't know if they'll win 66 to 8, but I think they should have a, a good night and an easy night uh, against Glencliff in that one. There you go. Coach Nathan Wilson joins us now. He's the offensive coordinator, the the guru. Is that a, is that a guru? I don't know that you call me a guru necessarily. <laughs> I've been called a lot of things, but not a guru. <laughs> well, we won't ask you what you've been called, especially with these guys sitting over here. Yeah. We, we might not want to know what they what they come up with. But uh, a solid first game performance, I thought, offensively. You did some things. You showcased some things for other teams to see on film. But I don't think that you got deep into the vault and really gave away the farm of what right. you've got potentially that you can do offensively this season. Yeah, you know, the thing about opening up, and you always, as long as I've been coaching, I told Coach Watson this last week, you always go into that first game and you have a plan. And two or three weeks from now when I look back at that first game and I look at that tape and we're kind of looking to tendency ourselves again, 
you're going to go, ah, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And, and I've already seen some things there that, that we can be better at, some things that we focused on this week. But um, I feel really good about our execution. You know, the game plan going in, um, and I feel like we we're able to, to stay with that, make some adjustments in game. And that was a thing for me that was new that was really – I told my wife after the game it was a great experience for me because previous experience as a play caller, I was also the head football coach. So um, I'm having to manage running the offense while taking care of the other things in all of the phases of the game. So um, really awesome experience for me the other night to focus on just the offensive side of the ball, uh, get the iPads that have been provided for us, and, and look at those and make some adjustments at the half. And so that was, uh, you know, I, I feel like that was that was really good for me to be able to see some things that, that before I wasn't able to see because I was focused on some other areas of the game. But, uh, you know, our kids um, – Kids executed well. They they handled the adjustments well, and and uh, I think that some things that we're able to tweak at halftime, going back to to some things we'd done before, really helped our run game in the second half. You mentioned the run game, and I want to get back to you mentioned also being a former head coach, you and Coach Broderick, and I think that's a key for this staff this year. But we'll get back to that a little bit later on. The stats of the game that stood out to most to me. You mentioned the run game getting better in the second half. If memory serves, you had 180 yards total rushing for the game. I mm-hmm. think Spencer Briggs, 120. I'm right. putting this off the top yeah. of my head. But I know Isaiah Briscoe was over 100 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not prolific numbers. That's not air raid. It's not going to get you right. into the Pro Football Hall of Fame yeah. throwing for 100 yards in a game. But what it does at the high school level is gives you a great balance or offense with pass and run, and that makes it that much more difficult for teams to defend you. And I thought that was a key. Yeah, I think uh, I think if you look at it, I think we had uh, 36 rushes maybe at, to, to nine passes, which is not balanced. But, you know, what we do and what I told our guys the very first time I met with our, our players, um, just talking about our philosophy and what we are and who we are offensively, is we are a physical downhill run football team. And we're going to take what the defense gives us, and we're going to run the ball to set up the pass. And, and I feel like the other night we're able to do that, especially that first touchdown uh, shot to Luke Springer. You know, Briscoe made a great throw on it. Um, we saw, you know, we had been just running the ball, running the ball. We saw the, the safety getting involved. They're really jumping that bubble uh, to Solomon there. And so we got a one-on-one, and, and Luke got a step on the guy, and it was a great throw and catch to for that first score. So, um, And then he had another really good shot to Jaden Williams later in the second half, you know, similar look that we got out there. But um, I, we missed on some of our short game stuff, some of our intermediate throws, and that's some stuff we've worked this week because w- when you're given the slant, we've got to be able to pitch and catch and do that. And I really feel like, you know, we were able to score 28 points the other night, but I feel like some of those pitch and catch things, we left two touchdowns on the field um, just because we have some guys out there at, at – at, on, on the ball, you know, and Jaden and Luke both, that they catch that slant and they get vertical, you know, they can make some really good things happen for us. But that's the good thing, I think. You, you mentioned leaving two touchdowns. That gives you something when you go in on Monday's film to say, hey, we missed this, we can get better. Because right. if, if a football team ever went out and played the perfect game, what would a coach have to, to talk yeah. about on Monday? I've so, yet to see one. I've well, exactly. It, it's so hard to, to do that and, and regardless of how well a football team performs, there's always going the coach is going to find something somewhere to come back on Monday unless it's maybe a state championship and it's the end of the year. Uh, kind of thing. Now you're still going to find something. Well, but right, right. You're, you're happy with the state championship, <laughs> yeah. and so you're not going to nit, nitpick that the way you would after week one. But uh, going back to what I mentioned earlier about head coaches, you and Coach Chad Broderick both have been head coaches. You as an offensive coordinator now. He is one of the co-defensive coordinators. 
That has to be a help to Chad, and I should have asked him this question. He's sitting over here shaking his head yes. Uh, but to have guys that have been in his role, in his position, that have had to manage the whole game, that now he can say, hey, you got offense, Chad, Roger, mm-hmm. you've got defense, I've got the game situation. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, not, not even the stuff in game. You know, that's the stuff that, that everyone sees. They see Friday night from, from 7 to 10 o'clock, but – you know the the paperwork, the administrative things. You know some of those things that have to be handled. I, I've been there, and and you can get lost in that stuff. And and in my experience, I, I love the years I had at Macon County as a head football coach. I uh, love those kids. Felt like we were able to do some really good things there. Um, but it, as a head coach, it's easy to get lost in some non-football things sometimes. So um, I think we have an outstanding staff here at Gallatin High School right now. I love these guys that, that we're working with. Um, everyone does their job. Nobody cares who gets the credit. And and I see that in our kids as well. And that's the biggest thing I've noticed out of our kids and, and just the culture from last year to this year is I feel like our kids are so selfless right now. You know, they're all they're all about what can we do, what can I help do to help us. And, um, you know, not, not a lot of individuals in that locker room. We've got some playmakers and we've got a few stars here and there. But, you know, all those guys are, are, are pretty selfless in, in doing what they got to do to make this thing go. Give us the real dirt of what's going on in the coaches' room. All right, everybody seems too happy. It's a little too. It's a little too nice out here. All right, I, I've been in football locker rooms. I know what's what's really happening. Oh, hey, you know, you, <laughs> we're covering up. We're covering something up here, guys. Well, All right, is, I smell it. This is the thing, you know. Uh, you, just like hanging out with your buddies any other place, you know, we're we're a huge group of friends that are able to work together for a common purpose, and uh, you know, every, you know, everybody's got a bullseye on them one day or the other. You know, you, nobody's off limits. So. Uh, everybody's taking shots at one another, and some days, you know, you I off, can attest off, to that. Offense and defense, <laughs> kind of, we we go tag team, Royal Rumble top style with one another, and, and some days it's more of an you know all out after one guy. So it, it just depends on 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 who you catch on which day of the week. Well, now this is a very energetic group, with the exception of Randall Silcox, and I know he's watching because he said he was going to kick his feet up, get some popcorn and a coke, and be entertained by what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I think he, maybe so. he was wanting to call in with some questions under an alias. I don't, I don't oh, know. Well, we don't have a that. phone, but he can get on Facebook. <laughs> he can get on. On the, one of the burner accounts he's yeah. got, probably. <laughs> Get on his daughter's account and send it in. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. I, I, I say that in jest. It's really an energetic group, and I, I can say that from firsthand experience, and, and I'll go back to last Friday night. When I walk into the coach's office following the game there, the energy level was just still ridiculously high from a group of guys that you would think would be a little tired from coaching a football game and the emotion that goes through it. That wasn't the case. It was really up there. You guys were bouncing around. and Oh, yeah, and, and, and just the build-up to that, you know, week to week, and, and our kids experience it too. And I, I told our kids I told our kids before we went over to the stadium on Friday that, that drive-in, of course, I'm, I'm commuting from Macon County right now still with my kids and everyone. We're getting ready to move to Gallatin. But that, that drive-in that morning, I started thinking about the game, and I, you know, emotions and, and – and, intensity you know just picked up on it. I was like hey you gotta you gotta motor this thing down we got a while before we kick this off and mm-hmm. and uh but you know it just all these guys we're, we're passionate about the game we're passionate about our kids love what we do and uh you know I feel like everybody's got a high motor and and it's uh it reflects in the way that we practice it reflects in in the way that our kids carry themselves and um we were we were able to to, to show that on Friday night and that's the thing like we said earlier we can't be pleased with it we've got to continue to get better got to continue to be hungry and and, uh, you know, I, it didn't take me long last year to figure out what Gallatin Station Camp is all about. 
Well, that's right there. Let's go ahead and start talking about that next week. So what are you looking at? Because obviously you're looking at the defense. What is mm-hmm. it that you're – I don't want you to give away a game plan, but you can if you want. It's your you know, grown man. But uh, but also, though, you know, what what is it that you're seeing from Station Kansas defense that maybe, you know, what are you expecting? Let me say it that way. I'm trying yeah, not to ask you what well, are you going to do, I mean, but, you know, what know, are you going to do? Of, a lot of what we've seen out of them is, is similar to, to – what we worked last week is an odd front, um, and, and we played a, a really good front and a really good group of linebackers last week. Um, and we did some things throughout the week because of the way those linebackers were playing. We were trying to create a cutback in, in some of our, our run game things that we're doing, and that's an adjustment we made at halftime that that I feel like helped us. So um, you know, just just getting back to just getting back to what we do. You know, we we want to be able to run inside zone and be able to run power. Um, you know. Uh, I don't feel like we were able to establish our perimeter runs last week the way that we would like to. Um, so that's some stuff that we've worked on this week. And, and you know, as you said, creating some balance. Um, philosophy hasn't changed. We're still going to run the ball to set up the pass. And, and uh, you know, I have love the way our quarterback has been playing. Um, I told him today, you know, his, his face has been on, on the Internet. He's, he's on the front page of the paper. And I said, don't turn into Hollywood on me now. You, yeah, you, still, yeah. you still keep working, stay <laughs> humble on the things that, that brought you here. But he – he, uh, he he does a great job for us. So, uh, you know, just putting our playmakers in position tomorrow night to, to be successful and, and put some points on the board. Might have the uh, best hair of any quarterback in Sumner County. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he gets my vote, absolutely. Right. I'm partial, but he gets my vote. <laughs> I don't know how he keeps his helmet on. In fact, it came off one time last week, but it was actually ripped off of his head. So, fortunately, his, his hair and his head wasn't in that. Final thing before we let you go and, and move on to, to the – no offense, guys, but the one I'm looking forward to most to, to talk to. <laughs> That's tonight. why I jumped up. I want to save him for last. Yeah, save him for last. Let the people get a good dose of this. Let the kids the go to bed before you bring <laughs> him on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the strength of station camp defensively, where is it? Their defensive line, their linebackers, their secondary, or is it really kind uh, of the whole thing? You know, I think they're, I think they're front three. Um, I, I think those guys are – they have some really good size. You know, I think they have a guy out there, 6'4", 6'6". Um, um, Big guy's physical plays. The nose guard, actually, a couple guys that they roll in and out there. Um, 23, I think, is a really good athlete. They play out at corner. And they do a lot of – they do some different things in the secondary. You know, you're going to get too high, you're going to get single high. Um, just some different things that we've seen out of them. Um, some rotation that the quarterback has to be aware of and things that we've worked as far as identifying pre-snap coverage and where your safety is going to be. Um, so I, I think they're, they're multiple in some things that they do on the back end. Um, the front, at times, I, I feel like – we may get a head up with a read look, and at times you may get a shade, just you know, straight gap control type stuff. But um, you know, we low pad level wins. It's it's a it's a classic game, and I know it's a lot of coach speak, but uh, it starts up front. We got to take care of things in the trenches. Coach Nathan Wilson, offensive coordinator, Gallatin High School. Thanks for being Thank with you. us. Thank we'll you so swap much, you out and bring in Coach Josh Atkins, and I, I'm I'm going to set him up already. As, well, as he's walking over. Well, here. while while you're doing that, you though, gotta, you we got to talk about Demos a little bit okay, here. You ahead. know, this is our, our our primary sponsor. Of course, we're live here at Demos. This is and forgive us for the side. The side fell. Down, the tape yes. the tape gave away, and and uh, <laughs> but uh, one thing is, you know, we're. We're we're glad Redeemus put us on, and so and obviously what they're hosting us here and the food everybody's got to eat. Everybody seems happy. It's a good little atmosphere for everybody. But uh, you know, too, they they have a new menu coming out. They're going to be starting happy hour here. So there's a lot of things happening here at Demos. We're doing this today Thursday, but of course next week we're going on Wednesdays at six. So I want everybody to know that too. So for the next time we come out, everybody can come out on Wednesday at six o'clock. We'll be here live and recording the podcast as well. But I just want to give a shout out to Demos here in Hendersonville because I mean, really, Aaliyah and all, all the staff. Here 
here that's helped us. They've been very, I mean, I'm not joking when I said Greg uses butt to open up that alarm right there. Uh, <laughs> that's it. how it started. That's it. how it started. And so they were all, you know, even then they were laughing it off and everything's been great here so far. So we, ha- we don't have anybody coming on this week, but we will next week coming on to talk directly for Demos and everybody. Okay. Without further ado, Coach Josh Atkins. Josh, thanks for being with us. Let yes, me sir. Appreciate it. Yep. Now, before we get into all of the craziness <laughs> and things that I have planned for you. Oh, God. This is getting too hyped up. <laughs> no, it's getting no, too hyped up, guys. Yeah, no, no, no. All right? He doesn't need any hype. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the hype coach here. Yeah, this is I the one to. that has to take, uh, what is it you give kids to calm them down? At 80, or Adderall? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. The, he's the Adderall candidate. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background and how you wound up here at Gallatin. Well, I mean, it's a long journey, but, you know, a short story about it was um, I got out of the military, uh, finished my degree at Middle Tennessee State, and while I was going to school, I actually started coaching football at uh, Stratford High School under Coach Fitzgerald those two years we were there together, um, who's currently now at Hillsborough, so right. that's going to be interesting next, next week. week yeah, yeah, I know, that would be you know, a good reunion, but uh, after I graduated, uh, going in to get my master's, I was fortunate enough to get a student assistantship with Middle Tennessee, and Coach Paul and them down there with Coach Stockstill, I was able to help out with the special teams and offensive line. Uh, you know, I was only there for six months, but the stuff that I learned there, I still, you know, keep my back pocket. Um, after that, I went to uh, Florida Tech for a year uh, down in Melbourne, Florida. Um, I was a DFO and helped out with the defensive line there. So a little bit of defense side of the ball. Um, then the next year, uh, meeting friends there, I was able to get a GA, a GA at McNeese State, helping out with special teams and, and offensive tackles there as well. And, uh, I knew, you know, Coach Watson and I, we've been working together and kind of had a personal relationship for a couple of years, and we stayed in touch and just talked football from time to time. And I heard he landed a gig at Gallatin, and, you know, we just – it just kind of worked out. I mean, it was a situation where I felt like, you know, there was stuff there that I felt like I couldn't – you know, it couldn't work out versus while I was still McNeese finishing my master's or, you know, and he was always, you know, so open, open-minded. So we can get – we'll work it out or we'll figure it out. And so now, you know, fast forward, here I am. We're going into week two, and – you know, I'm not looking back and, you know, just fortunate enough to be a part of this staff. I mean, you know, Coach Wilson and Coach Wilson said, I mean, I always joke and say we're the Gallatin U because, you know, I was at Stratford. We had like four coaches. And now we got ten coaches here, so I'm able to concentrate on my job. And I trust the guys to my left and right to get their job done. So, And you are special teams coordinator. Yes, sir. You yes. are the man responsible yeah, yes, for the I, onside I, I am. I am. I was. I was. I was. Sunday we were meeting and I was like, you know, so talk about the film and I was like, yeah, those those front line they don't they they bail out real early. I was like, you know, so uh, I said when I, I was confident. I said when we go up fourteen nothing. I was like, you know, um, can we you know can we go with Saints? That's what the call was, you know, because New Orleans Saints they came out of the gate you know with the uh, with the Colts in the Super Bowl. So that's what we called it. And they and the first two you know kickoffs we had they were bailing out. So you know. We score that touchdown, and I'm running down the sideline looking for Coach Watson. I was like, oh, you know, we going, are we going, we're going for Saints, we're going for Saints, and he's like, we wait, wait for the PAT. I was like, you know, Trace Kelly, he'll put it through. <laughs> I ain't, are we going for Saints? And then, and then you know, we were talking, and Coach Broderick came over, and I asked him. He's like, well, ask, you know, Coach Broderick. So I look at Coach Broderick. Are we going? And he, he's like, yeah, yeah, get it. You know, we'll take care of business. And and we, <clears throat> so we keep the PAT, and we're getting the hold on. I'm calling everybody. I was like, everybody else, you know, we're, we're running what we're normal. I said, like, everybody else, you know, the couple guys I talked about, we're doing Saints. It's like, we're going to do the Saints kick. And I think, I think Trace, he was really excited, you know, because he'd been working on it all week and stuff. Now, he kicked it just a little too hard. If you watch on the film, it kind of bounced up. Uh, in practice, there were, you know, low, low, low uh, worm burners, but he kind of bounced. And if he kicked it literally just a, just a half yard to the right, you know, we'd be able to pick that sucker up and just kept the momentum in our favor, so... Now, I was in the room on that Sunday when you were watching it. You weren't <laughs> sitting down. You were up, I moving was, about I the was, room, I bouncing was, yeah, at times, yeah, kind of oh, yeah. like Tigger. 
Oh yeah, I was, <laughs> about I was, uh, in, in the room, and when you saw that, you were like a, a kid opening a Christmas oh, present. Yeah. It's like they give you a gift sure. here. Hey, we can take advantage of this. Hundred percent. And I can tell you know what we you know talk with Coach Watson and everybody else like. You know, in college, sometimes they look at, you know, overlook special teams, but they really overlook it in high school. And I was like, so you get someone in my position who loves special teams. I'm very passionate about it. And you get opportunities like that. I mean, yeah, that, you know, that, that kickoff didn't go in our favor, but later in that same drive, um, down the road, they muffed a punt and we recovered it and it helped the big Mo stand our way and we were able to put, you know, seven on the board that way. So it, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a special situation where you have kids that, that really want to buy in. I think Coach Wilson was talking about it a little bit and Coach Watson as well, but it's they put the we before the me. You know, it's a situation where they think, what can I do for the team instead of how can I get glory for myself? So and that really makes it easy for me not to have to hype them up but kind of, you know, hold back the reins like, you know, Coach Watson was saying. So when it's time to, you know, time to button up the chin strap and put it in the mouthpiece, I can just let them go and, and they're fun and they fly out of the ball and, and I really enjoy it. Well, and another thing that you did with that kick is you've put it on film now. 100%. For other people to watch and have to prepare for. 100%. And as a football person, not a coach, but as a football person, the more things that if I were a coach I had to look at and prepare for and go over, the less time I have to do certain other things. So exactly. You put oh, something yes. in there that you may never use again Correct. this season, yep. but people have to be aware of. A thousand percent. That's what we talked about. You know, certain things that I, I you know, Coach Watson said, you know, I'm – I was a nervous wreck. I ain't gonna lie up to that first whistle to get that kickoff going. I, you know, my wife would always ask me. Well, I always talk to myself, you know, mumbling. She's like, "We talking about special teams." So she never. She's quit asking after the first, like you know, twenty times because I was real nervous. But you know, we got it going, and I've I've got like this list of things that I want to do, and so I kind of I'll put it in the suggestion box now and then, kind of thing. So see see what the head man says. If he gives me a nod or he'll say no or. But in the situation where we show it on film, you know, whether we run it one time or we run it twenty times, it makes a team. You know, once you're so limited for practice, they have to prepare for that on special teams. So it takes away offense and defense and time to prepare, which, like I said, it's a three phases. And, you know, and real real quick about that is that for me, I love the environment. So that first home game we had, I had never in a high school level, never had played or even, you know, now coach, I could say coach that kind of level. The, the second year we were at Stratford, we were undefeated. Hadn't been undefeated there since like the mid-60s. And I think the most we had there was like, you know, 400 people. There, there, the whole sideline, there was more, I think there was more people standing than actually in the stands, and it was just an unbelievable, the crowd, you know, the student section, I, that was just, you know, and they say it's going to be bigger this Friday, so I can only imagine where they're going to fit at kind of thing, so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited for that. Now, obviously a crowd can provide energy to players and coaches, but oh, yeah. you don't really need a lot of energy <laughs> to be provided. Yeah. Where does that come from? Is that just you? Have you always been that way, or is that just something about football? That, are you calm at home with your wife, or do you bounce around the house there? <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I think I calm, I calm down a little bit. You know, I, I, I kind of, you know, uh, um, you know, Doctor Becker, Mr. Fresh, they talk about it too. Say F when I sleep, and I usually tell them, you know, I usually go to bed about midnight, one o'clock, and I'll get up about six o'clock to you know come to school kind of thing. So they kind of look at me like I'm crazy because they ask where the energy comes from and. I'm just passionate about the game. I really love football. It's it's a team sport. Um, you know, being in the military stuff too. That's all kind of a team sport too. So it's a situation where I love, you know, the camaraderie and with the coaches and the players and stuff. So and it's the situation where I know if I come in lethargic and just moping around kind of thing, that the kids are going to do the same thing. Versus if I'm coming in and I'm energetic, I'm hype. You know, even even stretching. I told our guys this week, you know, we won't be the best team. At everything we do, tying our shoes, drinking the water, breaking the huddle, uh, jogging off the field, putting our helmets on the right way. Like, we want to be the best team in the state. And, you know, they kind of laugh, and then they kind of, you know, bought into it, that kind of thing, too. So it's a situation where 
I, I'm passionate about what I love, and so it's just, you know it's easy for me to stay hype, and it gets the kids hype, and it makes it easy to try to coach and, and getting them give effort and kind of thing because then it emulates into Friday when like Coach Larson was saying the second half, you know you're you know your conditioning and what you revert to back to your training because we, we're pretty pretty hard on them, and they you know they they, could, they took it on the chin and they're very open with it about it, and it made them better us as a team and as a staff. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, now looking forward to station camp. Mm-hmm. What are, I mean, how many times you're running Saints? <laughs> Every uh, time they came uh, out, I've tried. Chad's always shaking his head. No, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> not this like, week. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm asking, it was how we could run Saints. Or I got hey, some other stuff in there too. I'll, I'll, I'll broker a deal. If you're up 35 at any point. Then you can run it. He's saying Hell no to yeah. that. Well, I, tried. Tried. Hey, I, I appreciate it, Greg. Yeah, I really do appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else, you know, special teams wise that you're looking at for Station Camp? Do they have the strength on the punt return, a kick return, or anything like that? A uh, kick return, you know, they they have kind of your standard five front. Um, they kind of triangle the top of the top of their turn, so three man return. Um, I feel like those three guys there, um, they can return the ball really well. Um, I think they can set up a pretty good wedge for them. So we have to, you know, as kickoff, we have to do our, our responsibility. Um, their punter, I'm very curious about him. The punter, number 14, um, I looked him online, and they have him listed as a quarterback. So first thing in my head, watch out for the trick play. Right, right. Uh, and also looking, I kind of watched the whole game. I look, and he's a defensive end or an overhang guy outside the box. And I'm like, well, this guy, you know, he must be an athlete because he's punter. You know, he's you know, he's listed as a quarterback, and he's playing defense. So he's right. kind of a, you know, a Swiss Army knife, for lack of better terms. So I'm, well, that'll he, keep you up at night. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, it has a little bit. Not too much now. We're at thir- you know, we're at Thursday, so it's kind of kind of prepared the team the best that I can. So I kind of like, you know, start start doing you know, do my preparation for the next week. But um, um, but yeah, it, you know, he I definitely watch carefully. Their, you know, their kickoff did other things, but um, I think if you know, Coach Watson, I think he said if we just take care of ourselves, if we do our job, you know, the score should take care of itself. Yeah, you know, and too, like you said, too, how do you look for – so you're saying you're looking for this kid who's obviously an athlete, mm-hmm. obviously what he does. So how do you plan for that, too, within practice? Because um, the practice time is so short and so limited, you know, and I'm fortunate enough where, you know, I'm in places where, you know, special teams only get 10 minutes, you know, which doesn't seem like no time. But, you know, Coach Watson will give me – If you had 15, Saints would have worked, right? <laughs> oh, no. See Coach, <laughs> see, Coach Watson's giving me 15, and on Mondays I get 20 minutes. So I'm really, I'm really blessed. I'm telling you, I'm really, really blessed because he believes, that you know, the, the grape juice that I'm feeding the guys about special teams and making a difference. So All he right. gives me time to, to make the adjustments. Um, for me, it's a situation as a coach where I just got to constantly hammer on the film, see what their strengths and weaknesses are, and just look at much film that I have and try to figure out how I can make corrections or make adjustments mm-hmm. that if that situation comes up, you know, we're ready for it. Right. And that's my thing. I try to – I know it's kind of like, you know, a, a snowflake in a snowstorm, but I'm constantly – all these scenarios, the what-if scenarios. Well, there's nothing worse, too, for, than oh, a punter that, you know, you think you're about to get fourth and fourth and five yeah. and you think you're about to get the ball back and next thing you know everybody has their back turned going down the field and the punter's taking off for 20 yards. 100%. Yeah, yeah. That, well, there, there's nothing more of a kick in the gut for you. you trying like, to give me a nightmare tonight or something? Exactly. Yeah, like, Miami and Florida. <laughs> Game oh yeah, yep. I watched that. I was, punter takes off, picks I, up a first yeah, down. I was saying a few choice words, but yes, yeah, so it, it was. It was yeah, <laughs> it's a special teams part of it, but yeah, stuff like that. You know, you try to prepare for, and and like you mentioned, if there's something on tape, you know that that makes us work more kind of thing. So it's kind of like I'm more, you know, if it's on film, they have the confidence as their coaching staff to call that kind of play. Versus if it's not on film, I have to prepare for it, and it may never happen. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather it be on film, and they have that confidence, and then I know how to c- kind of counteract it versus the unknown of a situation. Right. So, but yeah. Right. 
Well, you know, that's that that's the whole thing, the unknown. Right? <laughs> you know, don't yeah. I'm not trying to scare you. Oh, no, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it's it's a real thing. Anxiety, <laughs> he's he's very hyper and very active and, and very loud. I don't know that he does yeah. def- definitely needs a headset. Yeah. And I'll take you back to Shelbyville. Okay. The scrimmage, you're up on the Oh lift, gosh, yeah. And you had on the headsets yeah, trying them yeah. out and yeah. you could be heard on the other side of the practice field yeah. yelling things yeah. that, that night during that scrimmage without the headset. Yeah, well so. the problem was it was a two I kinda made the you know made the sideline adjustment. It was a two it was a double eared headset, so I really couldn't hear my audible level and so um, I, you know, hindsight, I, I feel like it, I treat it like a game. So I'm thinking the band's playing or the fans cheering. So I thought no one could hear me. I pulled my headset off, but it was like crickets. So I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody in a three ball race just heard what I just said. Yep. So <laughs> I was standing right underneath you. I heard it loud. Oh, I, I, I felt about this tall. I would, you know, Coach Watson's like, trying to get me to calm down. And I was like, oh no. So, but yeah, but I made the adjustments. So now I know, you know, with one headset. And sometimes if I'm talking, I'll take both, take the other one off, so I clearly can know my pitch kind of thing. So, but. I really enjoy it. I really do. It's unbelievable support by the fans, you know, the the booster clubs and the old alumni. I love them coming around talking about the old days and stuff and and it kind of keeps us keeps us as coaches, keeps us motivated and understanding, you know, that the traditions here and that it's and the foundations have been laid and people are just waiting for that situation to come back and it, and it gives me, believe it or not, even more energy if that's possible <laughs> to be able to work harder, just not knowing, you know, not for myself, from you know, for my head coach or for the players, but the community itself, which is you know, Coach, Coach White's always talk about, you know, you, play, you don't play for the, you know, the name on the back is the name on the front. Well, lucky for us, the name on the back says Gallatin. So, literally, you're playing for the front and the back. So, it makes it easy for us to kind of talk about, you know, how we play for the town of Gallatin and how they, they care about their football and how they care about us. It's just not just football players, but as citizens in this town. So, it's like I said, it's unbelievable atmosphere. Now, you mentioned grape juice. <laughs> I'm coming by the locker room tomorrow, okay? Is that okay if I... To get some of the great, oh yeah, because us broadcasters need yeah, energy oh too. yeah, yeah. And you've okay. obviously oh. got plenty of. What is this like, Michael Secret stuff or something? <laughs> Space Jam? What are y'all talking about? Great juice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good, ju- yeah, it's a good juice. No, yeah, no, it's, no, it's nothing really. It's just you know, I'm more of a metaphor situation. But I, I'll, I'll definitely pat you. Know, I'll get you hyped. I mean, like I said, I get all the coaches hyped up, but I'm <laughs> I usually start jumping around, start stretching and stuff, kind of thing. Before while the kids are watching the film and stuff, I'm they're they're you know they're in a holding pattern. And I'm starting to ramp up, kind of thing. So yeah, for well, sure. Now, just Keep in mind, I'm not the athlete I once was. <laughs> Being over 50 yes, now, yes, you, you uh, kind of start to slow down. Oh, so, for, yeah. hey, you have to, you'll have to fix this program I'll for give, us all. Yes, I'll give you small doses. Yeah, there you go. Each week, I'll kind of wrap it up for you. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, FDA-approved. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah that you saw it. might have something to say about yeah, this. I'll, I'll have a waiver for you guys to sign. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's perfect. That'll work. Josh, great! Thank you so much. much. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, if you didn't enjoy that, you're not going to enjoy anything about sports. This, this, I've been around a lot of coaches in 28 years of being associated with this. I've been around some guys that were fiery and hyper, but I don't know that I've met anybody that's quite like Josh, and that's a good thing. I say that as a compliment. Well, all right. Well, now let's move on to you know some of the other games. Of course, we don't have. We talked a little bit about Hendersonville already, um, and now Gallatin. and we, I guess, really dove into Station Camp as well, right? So now let's look at it, you know, from the beach perspective. What's what's going on with beaches, you know, or how do you want to move on forward? That's the great thing about this being a podcast, right? We well, don't, beach, we don't have to worry about it. Beach, uh, they're beach, you know. Right. Coming I, up with Henry County, that's who yeah, they have next. Which I, I they don't say that cliche. This is a huge, huge, huge ball game for them. See you guys. Thanks. We'll see you tomorrow night. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Huge, huge ball game for them with Henry County. Mm-hmm. I was down at Beach and spent a few minutes with Coach Crabtree this afternoon. Uh, 
nothing really seemed any different. Right. He was the same Anthony Crabtree that I've come to know over the course of uh, his time as the head coach at Beach, just matter of fact and going about his business. And I think that's kind of uh, the attitude that his players take. They feed and follow the direction of their coach who's – He's never too high. He's never even too low. Kill, right? Yeah, even and kill, even after two state championship wins, when you talk to him uh, at Cookville after that, I mean, he was, you know, it was just well. Let's okay. Right let's there. take it back to November twenty third. You were at that game. You called that game for WHI, and I believe it was the playoff game between Beach and Henry County. What from that game do you think might mirror over into this game? Great question. I think probably. Uh, both teams will try to do the same thing. I don't know that we see a lot of changes. Seven to thirteen loss for Beach. Right at Henry County up mm-hmm. in Paris. It's a long ride, but I tell you what now. And if anybody from Paris is is watching, if you can send me the catfish recipe for what you served in the press box, <laughs> I'd be happy to have it. Uh, they do food right in Paris. I'll say that for the press box. But uh, I think we probably see more of the same. We see Beach with uh, their two running backs, Jayshon Parks. Uh, who I spoke with this afternoon, uh, one of the players down at Beach, uh, star running back, or running back. I, I don't know that Coach Crabtree would say star. Right, right. I, I Not think, giving that I, out. I think if he, if, you, if he would be honest with you, he's had one star in his time, and obviously. Oh, yeah, uh, well, he's was, in San Francisco yeah, he now. was in San Francisco with the 49ers now and, and Jalen Hurd. Uh, but parks is i think the key because he was stymied pretty much last year up in paris by that defensive unit of the patriots i think the key for beach is getting him going and being able to maybe not go for 150 yards that would be great if he does if he does they win uh but to get him and i believe if memory serves last year he had like 46 yards right for the game that's a little over 10 yards a quarter uh, not very good for an offense that's built on what they do on the ground first and then limited throwing the football and breaking in a new quarterback. Their mm-hmm. quarterback last year is gone, so they've got, I think, a sophomore that started game one. I'm assuming he starts game two. So relatively inexperienced, hasn't had a lot of attempts to throw the football in a high school game. So it's Parks in the run game. And if they can get him to 80 or 90 yards in this ball game, I think he got a good chance to win because, like I said, 40-something last year, I think 46, but again, don't hold me to that. And you only lose 13-7, and it was a sloppy, cold, and wet night. The yeah. conditions should be much better. It'll be much warmer. If Parks can have a good night tonight, I think certainly Beach at home can win this football game. Well, Beach coming off the 34-20 to win over in Jackson Northside. So, I mean, and then after Henry County, who do they have? Glencliff. So and then it comes into Hendersonville. So I mean, there's you know they have, they have that bumper of Glencliff. I mean, unfortunately for Glencliff, you don't want to not trying to poke names, but it is it is right now a bumper for everybody. But here's the thing: if you're if you're Beach versus Henry County, you've got to hope that you come out of it okay, mm-hmm. that you don't have any significant injuries because it's going to be physical. You're going to have guys that are going to be beat up next week going to Glencliff, regardless of what Glencliff is or has. This is going to be a physical ball game that will take its toll on some kids right? because of simply who Henry County is. The state runner-up from a year ago, as you mentioned, they beat Beach in the, in the semis, but it'll be a physical ball game. They always have 
big, strong kids, and they just like to beat on you and physically dominate and impose their will. And that's what they're going to come in and try to do. Coach Counts, they're not going to do anything different. So I, I think probably what we saw last year will be the same thing. It, it comes down to the beach offense and running the football and, and being able to get parks to that 80, 90, 100-yard range. I think you win with that. Yeah, and I think I think we've touched them all around the, the WHI West radio Moreland. network. Westmoreland, yes, Westmoreland. Don't forget Let our me not at Westmoreland. We Terry McCormick will be on the call this yeah, week. Exactly. So what, what do we're, you have for I'm the – I'm getting a signal over here that we're over our time limit. But we're, we're not a little a, long? Oh. We're not on a strict time <laughs> limit over here, so we can go just a few more minutes on Westmoreland. Okay. Well, so let's let's talk about Westmoreland then. So what do we know, Terry McCormick, of course, last week, and I, I can't even remember who – I was looking it up right now. Uh, but what do you have off the top of your head right now with Westmoreland? Well, Westmoreland's a young football team. They are going through some growing pains. They had quite a few experienced players, of course, Westmoreland being a smaller school, like we talked about kind of with Giles County, don't have huge numbers. They're not deep of of being able to have three and four guys at a position like Hendersonville and Gallatin and Beach and Station Camp and and those teams that have, you know, 1,000, 1,500, 1,700 students in their their roles. it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an uphill battle from their it's first week battle. against Livingston Academy. They lost thirty five to two, which is you know that that two came luckily probably, but still you know the Eagles are gonna have a bounce up. They're going up against Macon County this week. It's a rivalry game. It's a short drive across Highway fifty two uh, for the visitors there to make the trip for that contest. It'll be at Westmoreland. Yeah, yeah. Macon County uh, struggled a little bit last week. And they're replacing some people. Their star quarterback. They has, fell to Smith County 13-9. Yeah, has yeah. gone away, graduated. So uh, they're feeling the sting of trying to replace some people as well. So I think it's two teams looking for their first win and probably the team that makes the fewest mistakes to me, again, the turnover battle. No interceptions, no fumbles, no lost fumbles, I should say. Right. Uh, and penalties. Don't have the bad penalties that, especially early in drives, put you in negative down and distance behind the chains, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, that are hard to overcome for solid, experienced teams, much less young teams that are kind of trying to find their way. I'm going to step out and say Westmoreland wins this ball game. Mm-hmm. But I think it's close, and it may well be an ugly type of ball game because usually when those two teams play, there's not a ton of points scored in those ball games. There's the rare exception, but for the most part, it's usually kind of a slugfest or slobber knocker, as the old football adage goes. Anybody who who is here at Demos, or if you're watching on Facebook, you're able to come up and ask a question if you have one, and then also, uh, you know, on Facebook, <laughs> leave it in the comments. <laughs> She's like, I didn't have one. <laughs> She's like, would you guys shut up? I'm tired of hearing you. I'm trying to eat my food. But you opened Pandora's box here a little bit, and I wanted to, I, I thought about putting into it, but since you said it already, you gave a prediction for Westmoreland, so let's go ahead and go through a quick prediction for oh, the WHI okay. and Radio Network. With the exception of the games I'm, we're, we're doing. I'm you want to stay away from I, those? I'm not going to pick the, the Gallatin Station Camp ball game. Okay. Okay, so that's one. As a matter of <laughs> fact, I don't know that I want to pick anything let's, that Yeah, let's try to stay it off. We'll, yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll keep it off. That. Well, how about, I'll talk about Hendersonville-Giles County. Well, we can pick that. Yeah. We can pick that. I think White House beats Glencliff, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, beach Henry County. I, I'm... I'm going to go with Henry County. I'm going to go with Henry County until Beach proves that they can run the football a little bit better against those guys. I think Henry County in a close one. Hendersonville, I think they beat Giles County. I don't think that's. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think a, I think Hendersonville has a tight game. A, it may be a decent game. Giles County may not in the get first embarrassed. Half. But I think I in the think first half it's going to be a tight ball game, and then you're going to see Hendersonville's depth come out to play. So that yeah, that's pretty much what I think is going to happen. I'm, I don't know about an exact score, but you know, twenty four seventeen, maybe in that ballpark somewhere. Uh, but yeah, Hendersonville's definitely going to try to control the clock on that one. So, but yeah, that wraps up our first. Should our be first a fun part. night. Yeah, it was a fun night here tonight. Fun night, night here. Thanks yeah. to all the coaches that came out uh, to be with us. Uh, Josh Atkins, Nathan Wilson, uh, Chad Watson, all from the Gallatin staff. Again, next week, 6 o'clock, right here at uh, – On Wednesday. On Wednesday, It'll be Wednesday yes. now. Uh, you'll be able to come out here at Demos in Hendersonville. Thank you to everybody who's been here uh, the, to, to be a part of the show live. And then it, I hope you enjoyed all the food and make sure you tip your servers, of course. But, uh, you know, once again, it'll be this will not only be live here, it'll also be live on podcast tonight. So you'll be able to go to SoundCloud and visit our Facebook, WHIN Radio, and you'll be able to hear the podcast version of this. If, you know, maybe you're watching the video of it live, delayed. There'll be a ton of ways to get that out. But, yeah, it's been a great night, and thank you, Demos, so much. Absolutely. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, that have put up with listening to us babble about here tonight <laughs> while you've been trying to enjoy your meal we appreciate you so much we hope you come back next wednesday and let us do it again yep that'll do it for us we'll see everybody tomorrow night across the whin radio network be sure to tune in for your favorite sumner county high school football game on whinradio.com and whin radio 100.7 fm 1010 a.m good night everybody